Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. to invite you to find a Bible and to turn to Paul's letter to the Ephesians and Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read this morning the same passage that I read last Sunday, Ephesians 5, 1 to 21. We really only made it to about verse 4 last week, so here here is a second run through this passage. I'm going to be preaching this evening from Psalm 45 on marriage and next Sunday on marriage again you'll see from verse 22 onwards. So do join us this evening uh, and also next week. Two different angles on the subject of marriage. But first of all, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the, fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything. To God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Amen. May God bless his holy word to us. We're going to sing. Well, as you find your place again in your Bible and find Ephesians chapter 5, I want to begin this morning with something that several folks told me was so helpful about last week's sermon. I want to begin with one of the surprises 
in our passage. Last week it was there in verse 4. Put your eyes on chapter 5, verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be what? What would you have chosen? What does Paul say? Replace all of those things with thanksgiving. Last week we looked at how thankful speech is not an obvious antidote, is it, to filthy speech. We would choose pure speech, clean speech. Paul chooses grateful speech. The the thankful Christian, the overflowing with gratitude person, because they belong to God and because of what the Lord Jesus is doing in their life, that is in fact a picture of the healthy Christian, the wholesome Christian. That is the Christian who is getting things right, living properly, rightly. But what do we normally think? The healthy, wholesome, growing Christian is what? Well, attending church, reading the right authors, growing in godliness. Paul says, I tell you what takes someone's spiritual temperature like nothing else at all, like nothing else. Gratitude. Gratitude. Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious, Paul says. We all want to solve anxiety, don't we? Be, be, Be gone with it. What does Paul say? Do not be anxious. Instead, do what? Give thanks to God. This passage in front of us this morning is our marching orders. Do you remember? Walk in love, verse 2, last week. Today we're going to look at walk in light, verse 8. And walk in wisdom, verse 15. And we all want to know what those three things look like, don't we? What does it look like to walk in love, to walk in light, to walk in wisdom? And we're going to see that this morning. But did you notice the same surprise as last week popping up again at the end of our passage this morning? Look at verse 20. How does Paul end all of this? What's the climax of it all? Verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, do you know what, do you know what I think is going on here with thankfulness in this, this passage? Have you ever heard the lovely statement, people have said this a lot, it's a profound statement I think, that if you ever met a truly humble person, you would not come away from meeting them thinking they were humble. Have you ever heard that? Humility is not the main thing you would notice about that person. It's not the thing that would wave at you. No, no, the humble person when you meet them is not speaking to you about themselves in any way. They're not telling you they're a nobody. They're not laying themselves in the dust before you. They're not saying, I'm nothing, I'm nothing. No, the thing you would remember from meeting a truly humble person is how much they were talking about you how much they were totally interested in you. That's how they show their humility. See, humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. Humility is thinking of myself less. Isn't that right? That's what humility actually looks like. You, not me. Walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom. Friends, if you met a Christian who is all of those things, 
who is walking in those three things, you would not be going home today telling your family, do you know what I noticed about them? Their love, their light, their wisdom. No, what you would notice, Paul says, is that they are an incredibly grateful person. They are a thankful person. The person who walks in love overflows with gratitude to God. Somebody immersed in God's light and living with God's wisdom overflows with thanksgiving to God. That's what Paul says, isn't it? Verse 2, walk in love. What does that look like? Well, it looks like not doing these things in verse 4, instead doing thanksgiving. Walk in light, walk in wisdom, verse 20, giving thanks in everything. I want to say today, friends, that if you have a grumpiness problem, if you have a moody attitude, if you're the kind of Presbyterian who looks like you're always chewing a wasp, if, if, you, if you sound like you belong to the frozen chosen, if there is no overflowing gratitude, no giving thanks and for everything, then the problem is not lack of gratitude. No, the problem is lack of love, lack of light, lack of wisdom. You're not walking in those things, and so you are not thankful. Your grumpy heart, brother, sister, this morning, is because you are not loving others. Your ungrateful spirit is because you are not living in the light. Your moody words are because you are walking through life unwisely. I wonder if I can beg your indulgence, ask your forgiveness for my John Stott story one more time. Uh, I, I know I've told you this several times. How was John Stott known, that, that wonderful Christian leader who died a few years ago? How many of you who have ever heard of John Stott or read of John Stott, how many of us would ever, ever say that the thing that you think of as soon as you hear John Stott's name is that he was harsh? that he was domineering, that he was loud. Is that what you think of? No, he was gentle. He was loving. He was kind. He was gracious. And do you know why he was like that? Because in everything and for everything, verse 20, he gave thanks always and for everything. Do you remember the story? His, his study assistant one day was bringing him a cup, cups of tea this was uh, John Stott's habit while he was working. His study assistant would bring him cups of tea, put them on the table while he was writing letters or writing books or preparing sermons, whatever it was. And as he put the cup of tea down, John Stott would always mutter under his breath, I'm not worthy. Another cup of tea, I'm not worthy, thank you. Another cup of tea, thank you, I'm not worthy. And this eventually drove one poor study assistant mad. One cup of tea goes down, he waits for Uncle John to say, I'm not worthy. And he says, Uncle John, it's just a cup of tea. To which John Stott replied, Ah, yes, but it's also the thin end of the wedge. You see what he means? If I'm not grateful for this, this simple gift, this kindness in front of me, it will soon, will not be long before I'm not grateful for other things as well. No, gratitude coursed through his veins and overflowed through everything. I want, to, I want to give us here from this passage today four ways, four ways from these verses that the people who, verse 1, who imitate God, those who are, remember the Paul's language in this part of Ephesians, those who are wearing the Lord Jesus, who are dressed in him, 
those who are living like him, I want to give you four things they do that make them grateful. And if you want to be a person who is always grateful, always thanking God, here are four things that living in love and light and wisdom actually looks like. Four marks then of the thankful Christian. Number one, they know that judgment is real. Number one, they know that judgment is real. Look at verse 5 with me. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Look at those three things in verse 5. Sexually immoral, impure, covetous. Those are the same three things in verse 3, aren't they? This is a warning, isn't it? Those who do those things in verse 3 have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. I want to be really clear, brothers and sisters. We have all done those things in verse 5, haven't we? Each of us have done all of them. We still struggle with those things in verse 5. This verse is not saying that anybody who has ever done them or who battles with them has no inheritance in part of God's family. No, it is people who give themselves over to those things. People who abandon themselves to those things, who who say, this is what I'm living for. That's who Paul is speaking about here. There is a way of living in this world, verse 6, that is full of empty words. I think those empty words in verse 4, they are me-centered words, me-focused words. They're people who are speaking words that are taking, not giving. Selfish words, not selfless words. There is a way of living in this world that is all about me and my kingdom and my empire. But what have we seen in this letter that God is doing in the world? He has installed Jesus, his son, as the true and proper man. The Lord Jesus is the king, the head of a new humanity. And God is taking people from all over the globe and uniting us together and putting us in Jesus. Jesus is the king. This kingdom, verse 2, is a a kingdom of giving himself up for us. And do you know what so many do to this king, this man that God has put in charge of the world? What do so many do? They turn their back on him and build their own kingdom and their own empire. And Paul says here, that is a dangerous place to be. A friend of mine, a preacher, tells the story of visiting a friend with his young son, And when they walked in the door, the friend's massive dog ran up to the son, towering over the dog, and the son was terrified. My friend said to the little boy, he said, the dog is safe, completely safe, so long as you do not turn your back on him. People turn their back on God all the time, don't they? I was in a shop this week, shopping midweek, about lunchtime on Thursday, I think, and Uh, something happened that amazed me right in front of me. A man in the queue, there was uh, one one poor woman behind the till serving us, and for whatever reason, it was only her. The queue got longer and longer. Eventually, a second queue formed. And uh, after a while of serving the person in front of her, she 
that person moved off and she said, next please. And two men walked forward at exactly the same time to the counter. And both men said, I'm first. How dare you? And there was this standoff, an ugly standoff. I thought it was going to turn violent, aggressive. Two men who would not back down. I'm here first. I'm here first. And the rest of us nervously looking and watching on. You know, while I stood there watching, in my own heart, I was 10 feet tall. I would never do that. How disgraceful, how awful to see people behaving like this. And by the end of that same day, after I had told my family over tea what I'd witnessed that day, by the end of that same day, friends, I had told a member of my family much more quietly than what I'd witnessed in the shop. I had told a member of my family that they had pushed themselves ahead of me. And how dare they not treat me as I deserve. I witnessed something in the shop, thought it was terrible, and by the end of the day, in my own way, in a different way, had done exactly the same thing. And Paul says, do you know what I wasn't right at that moment, as I'm doing that to my own family member, do you know what I wasn't? Grateful. I wasn't thankful. See, imagine if that, those two men in the shop, imagine if those men had paused and they'd thought, as the lady called them both forward and they both walked forward, imagine if they'd paused and thought, Look at all this stuff, and we get to buy it. We're warm, we're dry, we're fed, we're safe. There are no shops in parts of Ukraine anymore. They're leveled to the ground. And here I am with you, another human being. How can I serve you? How can I help? No, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. What if I had thought that about my family member as I chose to speak to them, thought that the line had been crossed and I, I really needed to say something? What if I had just thought at that, that moment about my, my family member, just look at you, you are a gift. A gift to me and my family. What an undeserved, lavish kindness of God. I'm so thankful for you. No, right at that moment I was not loving, I was not living in the light, I was not wise, and I was not thankful. You see, what does Paul say, chapter 5, verse 1? Remember how we spoke to the boys and girls last week? Spot the difference. Let's play spot the difference. Be imitators of God. Can you spot the difference? Oh, look, it's a mile wide. Oh, friends, thankful people, thankful people, tremble that hell is real and that wrath is coming. But they are thankful people because God has taken them from that destiny in verses 5 and 6, taken them from that destiny and instead given them an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Friends, the reality of hell and the doctrine of the wrath of God, do you know why it, do you know why it fuels thankfulness, why it fuels humility? Why having a right view of judgment is a sign of walking in light and love and wisdom? Do you know why? Because it's that doctrine that tells us that in the end, evil will not win. Evil will not triumph in the end. Sin will not triumph. And but for the grace of God, that end is what I deserve. Thankful people know that judgment is real. Number two, they also 
love light. Thankful people love light. Light is beautiful, isn't it? Some of you have felt your mood lift these past couple of weeks. Your emotions changing as the sun is around, the mornings are lighter. All of a sudden again, you can lie in that sun puddle in your living room. Or you can travel to the sun. Light gives life, doesn't it? Look at the language in verse 9. Light produces fruit, whereas darkness is unfruitful. Verse 11. It's just true, isn't it? Nothing grows in winter when it's cold and dark. We, We need the warmth of the sun and the light of the sun. And friends, Paul is saying you will know you are walking in the light if you are giving yourself to growing in your life, in your family, in your church, in your sphere of influence. If you're giving yourself... Verse 8, verse 9, to growing in things that are good and right and true. That is what is pleasing to the Lord. It's worth saying, if you look at verse 10, it's worth saying that that little verb, try, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, it's not in the original. The, the ESV that we use is normally such a reliable guide. But here, it, here it's adding in the possibility of uncertainty, like, Try and work out as if it's difficult to work out what's pleasing the Lord. You know, you're, you're stuck looking at something. You're wondering, is this pleasing to the Lord? You're scratching your head trying to discern. No, that's not what verse 10 actually says. The best way, the best way to read verse 10 is to say, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. The fruit of light is found in knowing what pleases Him. And what pleases Him are things that are good and right and true. You don't have to wonder. Should I take this job in the oil and gas industry or this job in the highland tourist industry? Two options. Well, they are both good and right and true. So which one do you want to do? Choose the one you want to do. Which one will pay you more money so that you can give more money? Which one will let you work in a way that gives you best time with your friends and your family? See, friends, if you're ever wondering ethically about something, should I do this? The question to ask is, if I were to bring this thing out into the light with friends, what would they say? If I were to share this openly with a range of Christian people, what would they say about it? I'm wondering about watching this film, reading this book, going to this location, this relationship I'm thinking of getting into. If I were to expose it to the light... How would it look? Am I doing something that I can take with me wherever I go? Or is this something I need to keep tucked off to the side secretly in the dark? That's the language, isn't it, here? Secrecy, light, darkness, fruit and unfruitfulness. If this thing is something, actually, do you know what? I don't think I'm going to tell anybody about it. It's probably a dark thing, not a light thing. That's the image in verse 13, isn't it? Anything exposed by the light becomes visible. Have you ever been in a shop where you're trying to buy something and you, you think, I wonder what this looks like under natural, natural light, not the artificial glowing light that makes me want to buy it and makes it look good. Mood lighting to make me purchase. You get home and there it is in broad daylight and it doesn't look the way it did in the shop. You know, friends, secrecy, Darkness will kill your gratitude. 
Secrecy kills your gratitude. When, when we keep things in the dark, we, we invest enormous effort in keeping it in the dark and energy in keeping up appearances. And it, it just simply kills our thankfulness to God. Can I be thankful to Him for this thing? Verse 8 is an amazing phrase, isn't it? At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Just take that in. Notice it. It doesn't say you were once in darkness, but now you are in the light. Do you notice that? No, it's worse than that. We weren't just in the darkness. The darkness was in us. We were darkness. It's not just that we are in the light, but that the light is in us. Paul is saying, beloved children, dear friends, be what you are. You are light. So live as light. Some of us here today know this very acutely. I know that you do. At one time, you would say you were darkness. You lived for yourself, answered to yourself, put yourself first. You chose whatever you wanted to do. And there was darkness in your mind and in your heart and it shaped how you lived and what you did, what you thought about God, the world and yourself. And now here today, you are almost literally blinking in the light. Paul says, friends, be who you are. Some of you, friends, were born in the light, born into a Christian home, a Christian family. Yes, you have a heart that the Lord Jesus has had to put his hand on and change. He's brought you to know him and love him, and he's still changing that heart. Be who you are. Be light. Judgment is real. Light is beautiful. Number three, thankful people know what the time is. Thankful people know what time it is. Look at verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Getting the time right is critical, isn't it, for everything. If you get the time wrong, you get everything else wrong. We know this, don't we? Time wrong, you miss the bus, you miss the plane, you miss the holiday. Miss the exam, miss the job interview, miss an opportunity of a lifetime. Paul says if you get the time wrong, you will live foolishly. You will make foolish choices. So what is the time today, friends? 11, 20, 1st of May, 2020. What does Paul say the time is? Evil day time. It is the day of evil time. The times are evil, so make best use of them. Friends, we live in evil days. So look at your life, your resources, your money, your priorities, your choices, your relationships. What does he say, verse 15? Look carefully at them. Look carefully at them. I think, friends, it's really important to hold these two things together. Verse 15, the days are evil. And verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God. Do you know how to do both of those? Both of those things? There are some Christians who feel, don't they, all the time that this particular moment we are in is the day of evil. Not like 50 years ago when we were a Christian country. 
We're not like a hundred years ago when we were a really Christian country. Yesterday things were better. Today things are really bad. We've gone downhill. Society is disintegrating. Can I say that where you see somebody living and speaking like that, one of the things you will not also see is gratitude, thanksgiving. Sometimes that sort of Christian is an angry person, an angular person. They are angry at the world for being evil. Angry at the church for looking like the world and all that is wrong with it. But look, Paul says, this is Ephesus. This is the first century. The days were evil in the first century. The days were evil in the fourth century, in the 11th century. The days were evil in the days of the Reformation. The days were evil a hundred years ago. The days are evil today. The days will be evil until the Lord Jesus comes back again. Do you know how to be thankful in the midst of them? How to not despair at the world's wickedness, but to give thanks to God in everything that a good and gracious king sits on heaven's throne. Oh, he is governing earth's dominions with his righteous, holy rule. God is bringing everything together under Christ as king. I want to say to you today, there is no need to despair. There is no need to despair. Instead, Paul says, there is just a need to be wise, to be careful. Our our battles today, our choices, our wisdom in these days of evil are not the battles, the choices, the wisdom that our forefathers needed in their days of evil. It's not that today is more evil, it's just different evil. Do we know how to have today's wisdom, not yesterday's? Here's the fourth thing to finish. Judgment is real. Light is beautiful. Number four, thankful Christians want as much of God's Spirit as they can get. They want as much of God's Spirit as they can get. They know what the time is, and because of that, they want God with both hands. They want God's Spirit in their life as much as possible. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. That's the sense in verse 18. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. You've you've seen God's love in Jesus. You've felt the warmth of the light and the goodness of the light. You've tasted the wisdom of God in an evil world. And so the thankful person just wants more and more and more of God. That's why we have verse 14 in your Bible and my Bible. It's there in quotation marks, isn't it? Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It usually means Paul is quoting from the Old Testament, but we don't actually know here what it is he's quoting. It's clear, wherever it comes from, that it's simply Paul's way of saying that everything we have, all the ways in which we're meant to walk, come from Christ, don't they? Light comes from Him. He shines on us. He, He is the light of the world. We set it together in our confession of sin. So walk in His light. Walk in His love. He is the one shining in the darkness. Walk in wisdom because God is wise and Christ is the wisdom of God. And verse 18 is simply Paul's way of saying, look, get as much of that into your life as you can. Be filled with the Spirit is Paul's way of saying, let God give you more and more and more of Himself. That more and more and more 
is a wise more and more, isn't it? It's the exact opposite of a very foolish more and more that is all around us in every age and every day. The more and more Paul chooses, verse 18, the more and more of alcohol that leads you to acting foolishly in an evil day. See how it works? Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. When do people do most foolish things? When they're sober or when they're drunk? It is never the Lord's will for a Christian to be drunk. Listen to Sinclair Ferguson. He says this, The man or woman who is drunk cannot walk straight. Their speech becomes slurred. They sing off key and out of tune. They cannot remember the words. They become irritable. When people try to help or reprimand, they will not have anyone else control their life, but they cannot control it themselves. But the man or woman who is filled with the Spirit shows opposite graces. They walk in wisdom. They sing with melody in the heart. They are devoted to the Lordship of Christ. They're concerned for the needs of others. They are thankful rather than irritable. And we're simply going to apply verse 19 to us together in just a moment. We're going to sing. We're going to do what Paul tells us to do, to lift thankful hearts up to God. I want to encourage you today, friends, never measure spirit-filled churches by a style of music or worship. A pipe organ can be in full flight with people devoid of the spirit in front of it. A thumping worship band can be on the stage, but people are not filled with the spirit. The grand piano can be used and people not filled with more and more of God himself. Now, The point of what Paul is saying in verse 19 is not the style, but the substance of it. Are are you the kind of person who you almost cannot stop overflowing in gratitude to God? You're going to find a way to sing somehow. Now, the question for us today is, is there love and light and wisdom in our midst because we want as much of God and the Lord Jesus as we can? And where those things are present, God's people will sing. We will simply sing and we will sing because we are grateful. Amen. So let's do that together. You'll